Good afternoon and welcome to the IRF webinar on the Incentive and Events Industry Software Report 2020. If this is your first time with us, the Incentive Research Foundation is a nonprofit research organization. And over the last 10 years alone, we've dedicated more than $2 million to research and education on the topic of incentives and motivation in the, work, in the workplace. I'm Stephanie Harris, president of the Incentive Research Foundation. And joining me today for this webinar are Alan Schweier, the chief academic officer for the IRF, and Jason Neal, director of information technology at Brightspot. Um, Jason has deep experience in this space, having led software development teams and building world-class incentive applications um, for, for the last uh, couple of decades. We're excited to have his practitioner point of view as part of today's conversation. Um, as we go through today, if you have any questions, please submit that information over to info at theirf.org. That also came in the uh, webinar email if you need that address. We will respond to all of those questions following the webinar. Um, with that, I will hand it over to you, Alan. Thanks, Stephanie. And um, I'm very pleased to be here today and uh, excited to see that we have a uh, large audience with us. So this topic uh, must resonate with a, a good number of people. Uh, before we jump right into it, though, I just want to put it into perspective and let you know a little bit about where the research comes from. We had a group of, 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 of uh, IRF advisors put together questions that they wanted this research to cover, about 28 unique questions, and those are reflected in the bullet points on the, on the slide. Um, then we looked at a range of technologies, including recognition and reward platforms, survey-type engagement technologies, and events and meeting tools, about 40 providers in all. And then we went out to, and looked for past papers, articles, videos, buyer's guides, anything we could find that was of relatively recent vintage on the topic of incentive engagement technologies and event technologies. Um, and on top of that, we, had, we conducted 41 in-depth interviews with experts and practitioners from the perspective of technology providers, incentive program designers who license and use the technology with their clients, and um, end users of the technologies, as well as people you might call gurus, people who evaluate the technology and know a lot about it. So um, that's the basis of the research. Uh, we'd like to just take a minute here and thank all of the people who really contributed to this research and we could not have put it together without them because there just isn't a lot yet out in the uh, research space or the practitioner space that covers this, um, this industry yet. So uh, people um, like uh, Mike and Rick over at Hinda, uh, Chris at Merritt's, uh, we had people from uh, Brightspot, including Jason here today, and uh, CR Worldwide, so we had some uh, representation from European companies as well. And um, we put all that together and we created what we think is at least the most recent information about uh, the technology space in our industry. Now, we don't have um, enough time to cover everything in the paper, but the paper is available uh, at the IRF site. 
so we're just going to touch on some of what we think are the most important uh, and, and most interesting findings. And one of those is probably, you know, customer expectations. What did we learn about what customers and uh, end users want when it comes to this technology? And you see in the word cloud here, uh, some of what's the most important, certainly things like ease of use, that probably came up the most. People don't want to um, have a long learning curve when it comes to using these tools. They want the tools to reflect their workflow so that uh, they can use them as intuitively as possible. They want them to connect with other tools that they use every day. So there's a single sign-on, ideally. Uh, APIs that allow the uh, technology to connect and share data with other uh, technology, maybe HR systems and CRMs. Um, and uh, certainly configurability. Uh, I would say almost extreme configurability so that you can make the tools work the way you want them to work, if not customization. Those were some of the things that uh, came out. You know, gamification is still important to a, to a large number of, of, uh, of end users. And uh, of course, everyone wants you know, the best insights and decision tools they can get from the data that comes out of tools like these. Okay. We also felt it would be important to share the results with you. And really the results are fairly preliminary. The, the technology in, these, uh, in this space isn't you know, something that's been around for, for decades. A lot of it is new, it's cloud-based. Uh, a lot of it is very innovative, we found. You know, you have your peer-to-peer -peer recognition platforms. Uh, you have events technology that's come up uh, recently as well. And uh, tools for that, that, that uh, allow you to conduct surveys and engage, engagement scores. Um, a lot of this is new, but it is already showing, um, you know, some, some really good results. And those are largely around things like engagement. So we didn't speak to you know, a large enough sample of end users, for example, to you know, say definitively what you can expect when you license or adopt one of, one of these tools. But we did speak to enough to say you know, with some confidence that engagement results typically increase about six months after implementation of the tool. Now other factors could come into play here, but it, it, uh, it's logical to expect that when you use a peer-to-peer -peer recognition system, for example, you should see increases in uh, employee engagement. And eventually after that, even reduce uh, reductions in employee turnover. We had um, uh, some of the providers tell us that their clients are using the tools for uh, employee referral. You know, in this uh, uh, you know, sort of climate where it's very difficult to recruit talent, uh, any reward and recognition system that can help improve the volume and quality of employee referrals is important. And um, we have some evidence of that too. And some that believe that absenteeism and performance are also improved after deploying these tools, a certain time after deploying those tools, although that is a little bit harder to, to really uh, um, to really know because of all the other factors that go into it. Um, Jason, any thoughts on this from your experience? Well, absolutely. And I think that one of the things that we see in the software and some of the interfaces that we're creating is that in engagement is key. We see that that being a metric that we're measuring and it's a more predictive um, measure that we have um, than, than many others. Um, a more engaged workforce we're seeing is um, are more productive. 
um, they're more likely to come in and, and redeem points and, and have awards and fulfillment through the, uh, the platform. So engagement is key for us as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, those are, those are some of the preliminary results. Of course, uh, you know, as uh, Jason mentioned, engagement is one of the main um, uh, uh, measurable uh, outcomes that uh, end users, customers, and providers are seeing from the use of their systems. But there, are, there are others. And that brings us to differentiation. You know, what's the difference between the technologies? In the report, we talk quite a bit about just how crowded this field has become. Um, you know, there are so many new entrants, there are so many startups, there seems to be a lot of investment, uh, you know, money for tools that, uh, you know, improve engagement, that improve motivation, and that use incentives and rewards uh, and recognition to do so. So it is a crowded field. And it's becoming a little bit more difficult, as the quote uh, here says, to tell the difference between some of the technology. Um, in fact, uh, some of our interviewees said that they, after sitting through a few dem demonstrations of the technology, it's really hard to remember what one did and what the other didn't so that they can you know, make their selection a little easier. Um, well, and I know, um, just want to, Chime in, Alan. One thing we see in differentiation, what's so difficult, I mean, when you talk about the, the incentive life cycle, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty consistent, right? Someone comes in, they do an activity, they claim the activity, they get points, they spend those points, they get their stuff, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And that's some of that re repetitive uh, nature that you're talking about. Well, when you talk about differentiation, one of the things that we look for is that when you differentiate, there's differentiation in the flexibility of a platform to be able to accommodate complex rules. It's mm -hmm. hard to see that in a demo, but when you have a more complex structure, when you're trying to really target certain activities and, and um, you know, results, then is the platform going to be able to accommodate the rule structure that I want to implement? And the other is differentiation in awards that you have and just creativity in awards. And I think maybe you'll speak to that a, a little um, differently. There's a lot more than just merchandise out there. There's a lot more than just cards out there. There's experiential travel, there's tickets, there's other award options that can really start to differentiate programs and even the technologies that can provide unique opportunities to redeem and fulfill. Yeah, that's, those are great points, uh, Jason. It really isn't so much that there's tremendous feature by feature differentiation, but there's a great deal of differentiation, like you said, when it comes to um, things like configurability and customization. And uh, just as, you know, consumers are getting so used to being able to really say whatever they want, whether it's a pair of running shoes like you see on the screen here or, or clothes or cars, you know, and, and, and how their car is configured, um, they're looking for the same things uh, everywhere else. And it's certainly something that's come to, uh, to, to our space as well, whether it's uh, having to build a, uh, and design a reward program that caters to, you know, a, a very wide um, and, and, and differentiated group of reward earners uh, or a system, like you say, will really capture your workflow, the way you do things, um, and reflect that rather than making you uh, conform to the way uh, they happen to have programmed their system. Um, so configurability and customization is a, is a big differentiator. Well, and, and one thing I like to add there, Alan, uh, when you talk about, you know, just, just buying a car, I've never bought a custom car. I've mm -hmm. bought a configurable car, right, where you have some options, you have some different packages there, but there is a market for people who want a custom car. They want exactly, you know, the, the 
options that they want. They want the leather that they want. They want the trim that they want, the model, the build, everything. And um, with that comes cost, but you truly get exactly what you want. In a configurable situation, there are some accommodations that you may need to make, but you're going to save in cost. You're going to save in speed to deployment. So there's some advantages. Both are valid. The custom car people and the configurable car people are both, you know, markets and there's people that make money serving both. But um, with that, as a buyer, you just need to know who you are coming in and what the expectation is. It's when you try to get fully customized with a configurable cost where you start to have a little bit of conflict. Right. Yeah, we found, especially in the channel sales arena, that um, configurability, if not customization, was, uh, was very important mm -hmm. just because things are done so differently from channel partner to channel partner that if you don't license a system that can adapt to those differences, you'll find yourself in a bit of, bit of trouble. Whereas on the other hand, if you don't have a great deal of uh, change to make, you can take advantage, like you say, of a system right off the shelf, pretty much change the logos, spend a lot less and have it up and running within a, you know, a couple of weeks or a month. Correct. Definitely trade-offs here, and you just have to look at that when you're considering systems. Another differentiator um, is pretty interesting. is less technology, perhaps, but more around the rewards themselves. And, you know, I, I'd say probably 15% um, of the interviewees are going this route, where, in this case, this is travel. We spoke to uh, a few providers that are putting together unique travel experiences, you know, based on the research, it tells us that an experience can be more visceral, emotional, create longer lasting memories uh, than perhaps something that uh, people attach less emotion to. And so they're putting together these uh, unique uh, travel experiences or, or other types of experiences. And uh, when a person earns enough points, uh, then they can come into a catalog that's very vibrant, like you see here on the screen. Uh, with some, you know, uh, messages below them about the type of experience and uh, uh, hopefully get uh, drawn into that um, and, and choose a reward. There's also systems that are uh, allowing, you know, great flexibility in rewards. So whether you want, uh, a, you know, merchandise from a, a provider or you want to create your own reward in-house and get together with the, with the, the, the team and, and, and dream up some, some reward, you can build it right into the system and offer it in exchange for points. So uh, there is some um, interesting innovation around rewards too. You know, Rick, I think you make an interesting point about the visual appeal of this as well, because the, the same individual participating in that rewards program is the individual that is shopping on consumer sites and having a much more visual, much more immersive experience. So, you know, certainly an opportunity for people to differentiate by, you know, kind of addressing that same um, type of experience that people are having in their everyday life. Right, right. Now, that's a good point, Stephanie. And a few years ago, when we did our biometric um, research, we found that people's preferences would actually switch when they, you know, they saw the opportunity to get a pile of cash um, maybe right off the bat they would be attracted to that, but then when you started showing them things like this and explaining and getting them a little bit more emotionally drawn into the uh, non-cash, in this case travel experience, but it doesn't have to be travel, uh, that they would switch preferences and take the equivalent um, experience or, or merchandise reward over the cash. So, 
the um, the next thing we saw, you know, I, uh, is is fairly nascent, and, and it's not, you know, uh, something that you that, that very many providers are doing right now. But it's the idea of putting the solutions together in, a, in, in what they're calling an umbrella solution. So building the technology uh, with learning and development, uh, with a recruitment module, workforce planning, you know, what whatever system you, know, you, you can imagine. And then, um, you know, obviously also having the performance, the incentives, rewards, and recognition platform as part of it. And the benefits they talk about are, are a few. You know, it's, you don't have to worry about API integration. You can share data um, between these systems and, and uh, make them speak to each other and uh, presumably make better decisions around it. Uh, there are some uh, uh, pros to this, there are some cons to it. There's not a lot out there available, but uh, these are starting and I would, uh, you know, if we look at other industries, um, where, you know, that are a little bit more mature in terms of the technology um, uh, available, uh, you know, you do see uh, a fair bit of, of the umbrella platform uh, emerging and, and and out there. Now, I know, Jason, you had uh, some comments on this too, right? Well, absolutely. And, and I'll tell you what, we were definitely seeing a, a demand for kind of umbrella solution. And um, with that, I mean, to, to give a perfect example of, you know, kind of the, the pros and cons, I mean, I'm thinking of kind of a, a big box store. Um, I won't name the name, but it's a place where you can go and you can shop. Mm -hmm. You can get something to eat and you can get your tires changed, right? But the upside is convenience. I go to one place, one-stop shop, get everything done. The other is learning curve. Once I use one of the tools within the solution, the interfaces are pretty similar across all of the different tools. I really don't have to come up to speed and learn a whole new ecosystem. And also the other benefit is consolidated reporting. So I can get the reports, all of these systems talk to one another and can give me those consolidated reports. But one of the downsides is, just like the big box store, it may not be exactly what you want. It may not be the best quality for an individual tool. And also there's not a lot of customization. If you want something special, you want something out of the box, you have a specific need in any one of these areas, you kind of have the solution that's out of the box. So I won't say that, you know, one way or the other is good or bad. You just have to know kind of what your expectation is going in. Big box solution gives you ease, convenience. Um, customized solution gives you the ability to truly tailor and get exactly what you want in any one of these different modules. Great analogy, I love that, uh, Jason, and the big box. You know, within the big box, you can get most of everything you want, but it's not always gonna be the best. Um, you know, if you're, if you're really into audio and visual, you'll probably go to a proper audio and visual store and talk to someone who knows a lot about that before you make your decision. But if you don't care so much, then you'll get your giant TV at, uh, at the big box store and, and everything else that you're looking for, but but you're you're absolutely right. Um, you, sometimes the quality uh, suffers a little bit in the umbrella solutions, but the convenience and the price is is is, is something uh, that attracts other people. So absolutely, yeah, you know, nothing comes without a cost, right, or a trade-off. Exactly. Um, here we have uh, providers, uh, and, and I guess I would say again, probably 15%, maybe even 20% of those we spoke to, at least of the pure technology firms, were determined uh, and sure, or fairly sure, at least they sounded sure, that um, really the, the strength of the software, the algorithms, the artificial intelligence, the machine learning was the thing that was going to differentiate them. 
and make their solution the, 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 the most attractive. And a lot of that was around uh, tools that could predict what a person wanted in terms of a reward and uh, know when the right uh, time to deliver that reward was and how to deliver it uh, and so on. Like that type of intelligence to, uh, to make a reward more impactful. And then, of course, uh, drawing data from the system to make better and better decisions. So uh, we, we found some of that. I mean, some were talking about integration with tools like Alexa so that managers could you know, just uh, tell the system verbally who to reward and what to reward them with. But um, yeah, about 15 to 20% really were focused on pure technology as their differentiator. Jason, thoughts on that? Well, and one of the, the, the struggles here, and you know, like I said, I've been developing software for a long time. And when we have, you know, machine learning and a lot of these um, algorithms and systems that have come up, it was kind of like um, there was a new technology and there were people who were focused on mastering that technology. And now it's how can I use this technology in industry A, industry B, industry C to try to maximize the return on the technology. <laughs> so what I haven't seen as much is, is machine learning coming into the industry and trying to predict, um, you know, um, the uh, different changes that we have, um, whether it be people's behavior or um, some of the different outcomes that we want. What I am seeing, though, is a demand for more, more than insights. And the best way to be able to, to put this is, you know, there used to be a time where data was enough, right? You come, pull your reports, you get your spreadsheet, you use that to make your decisions. From data, we move to information. We now want the system to group this information in a way that's a little easier to be able to pull in and understand. Well, from information, we move to insights, which is really just taking the information and tracking it over time to see trends to help predict. But now where we are is, I don't just want insights. I want your system to give me opinions. And opinions require intelligence. Don't just tell me what the trends are over time, but tell me whether those are good or bad and how they impact my business. That is where I see this type of technology coming in, not necessarily driven from you know, generic machine learning and compiling a lot of data, but being able to go in with people that have experience in programming these um, applications to be able to use predictive models to say, hey, this is the trend I've seen over time. You've told me what's good and where these thresholds should be, so this is where you stand and this is what you should do next. That I definitely see coming in, which does offer sophistication, but it's not so much the generic machine language that uh, we're accustomed to, or machine learning. Great, thanks Jason. And, and in contrast to that, actually uh, a really sharp contrast to the type of provider that is looking at their technology purely as their differentiator, are those that uh, we talked to, probably again around 15%, who are really mirroring what a good, um, let's say, reward program design consulting firm might do for a client. And that is to bring together theories of motivation, um, bring together the most relevant research to the table and design a program around that. And what these providers uh, told us they did was actually design their technology around that. So whether it was self-determination theory or or drive theory, or even using some of the latest uh, behavioral science like nudging and um, tools that, that uh, impact or, or try to influence people's behavior in a positive and benign way. 
uh, they were trying to build into their systems and are, are having some success with that too, uh, in, at least in terms of attracting clients and attracting a lot of press and media. In fact, one of the tools on the uh, screen here, I think it might be a little buried, is uh, from Laszlo Bach, and he's best known for writing the bestseller about his uh, experiences at Google. Um, and, and it was enough uh, for him to see how, uh, you know, our industry works and how uh, his theories of, of of, uh, of uh, uh, behavioral science and nudging could be applied to it to, to quit Google and start his own company in our space. Uh, so there's there's a number of uh, firms who are doing this. Uh, they are, what I would say, philosophy-based. Um, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're a little bit maybe um, behind the, the, the curve in terms of, of or not behind the curve, but, but, but newer than some of the other technologies we've looked at. But at least in my view, maybe some of the ones that, that truly will differentiate in, in, the, in the long term. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Jason. Do you think this is as big as big a deal as I'm making it out to be or, or kind of, you know, something that uh, most providers are doing anyway? Well, I think that um, when you talk about the behavioral sciences in, in general, and I'll just let you know, I'm an incentive theory evangelist. I believe that of all of the, you know, theories that are used to promote behavioral change, incentive theory is one of the best, and that's one of the reasons I work in this industry. But there are a lot of other theories that are out there, and I think that it, it's important for any organization to be aware. Um, there are other ways to motivate people than, you know, just the, the, the carrot, and I don't want to minimize it, but, you know, the, the carrot and the stick. Um, that's why we have leaderboards, right, for people that are a little more competitive. That's why we have... Um, you know, peer-to-peer -peer recognition so people can feel that, you know, their peers are acknowledging them and, and you know, that motivates change. So I think that it's important to, to be aware, but what I'm seeing here, in, in, especially in the slide that you have, is just another way for companies to differentiate themselves. I think that all companies need to have an awareness of all of these different types of theories to be able to implement them in their technologies. But some companies, you know, they'll throw on a nudge theory label or they'll throw on a uh, a drive theory label just to differ differentiate them in the market, and that may give them, you know, a little more publicity and, and a, a leg up in some cases. Yeah, good point. Almost everybody will say they have some element of artificial intelligence, right? <laughs> Whatever that means. I know we're running a little bit short, so I'll try to uh, go through um, the next few slides as, as quickly as possible. Really, um, we asked everybody, "What's going to happen over the next one to three years in terms of your technologies? What are you going to be working on?" what's important. And uh, about 60%, so that the largest single number of, of uh, responses were around analytics. So uh, providing better tools and reporting, uh, going from, you know, descriptive and diagnostic type analytics to more predictive and uh, decision support type tools. Yes, uh, even using things like machine learning uh, and predictive analytics. So uh, most of the providers are really uh, focused on you know, uh, improving their tools around analytics and insights. Yeah, and, and well, and to complement that, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. To, to complement that, I think looking at the Outlook study that was released earlier in the year, we saw a dramatic increase um, in the number of organizations that responded to that saying they are getting better at using data and analytics and reporting to support their programs. So that technology needs to be in place to, to pay off, but I was really encouraged to see such an increase in use in 
analytics and reporting to support the program and, and less kind of it's what we've always done or we think it's good for the organization kind of generically. The measurement becomes really critical. And all I would add is, I mean, this perfectly illustrates kind of the trend that I was speaking about before. People are depending on the system more to help make some of those low-level decisions, and then they'll either accept the decision that it's made and implement and change accordingly, or they'll be able to change um, maybe the uh, um, information or the structure of their system to be able to, you know, give further input. But systems are making more decisions, and they're making those decisions autonomously. Right. Okay. Well. Um just quickly, you know, almost everybody we spoke to believes, and I think, you know, this is pretty uh, obvious that disruption is here. You know, it's affecting our industry just like, like it's affecting many other industries, most other industries. You know, just in the last few years, an offsite event planner or someone who puts together group incentive travel, for example, would have, you know, had their world changed quite a bit by some of the technologies that have come out and how uh, they and hotels and others are using them. And, and that's um, just a fact of life now, and everybody we spoke to pretty much believes that'll continue to be the case, if not accelerate. But it was interesting to see that there's a very little fear of the kind of disruption that we hear about so often in the media now that the robots and AI might be taking over. Um, more that um, to be competitive, and this is mostly from the perspective of the consulting firm who helps other organizations design reward programs and white labels of technology, that they need to be technology savvy, that the technology is just uh, table stakes now. They have to bring that to the table. But beyond that, they have to understand, you know, how to take some of that data and turn it into meaningful, actionable um, insights for their for their customers. So uh, displacement's not a concern, but, but certainly Skilling the uh, skilling employees around technology and data and analytics is is a concern. Um, really, we've said all this, but uh, you know, incentives um, it's crowded, uh, it's growing. At some point, it's likely to consolidate. That just means it's important to make a decision very carefully because you don't really necessarily want to be left um, in the lurch if you choose a provider who isn't around you know, three or four years from now when you've invested time and data in their system. It can be messy. Um, user experience is key, uh, really right off the bat, but over the next one to three years, uh, as we've seen, the, the, the emphasis will be on analytics and insights, according to most of our, our interviewees. Um, and differentiation in the software in terms of features is limited, but certainly some of the other differentiation we looked at uh, is key and, uh, and is real and something that uh, you need to balance when you're looking at these solutions. Um, Stephanie? Yeah, thank you to our research advocacy partner, Brightspot, for their generous support of the software report and for, uh, for loaning us Jason for today's webinar. Um, all of the IRF research is available for download at no cost via our website, theirf.org. Um, on the next slide, our 2020 research releases are shown. Uh, each will be accompanied by a webinar, so we look forward to welcoming you to future webinars. Uh, as a reminder, you can send questions to info at theirf.org.